Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Thursday, the 27th day of August, 2015. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, A Vision for You, and we are on page 158. We will be starting with the second paragraph. And today's readers are The 12 Steps, Natasha G. The 12 Traditions, Janice B. And then our readers are Anita J., Elaine B., and Rebecca F., And the share code for yesterday, Thursday, the 26th of August is 7949, 7949. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Natasha G. to please read the 12 steps. Thank you. This is Natasha G. from Connecticut. The 12 steps. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
Monica, are you with us? Anybody there? Can you hear me now? Monica. Yes, I can. Good morning. Okay. <laughs> I muted my headset. <laughs> Thank you very much, Natasha Jean. I'd forgotten I'd done it. Thank you. And I will now ask Janice B to read the 12 traditions. Thank you much. Good morning. Greetings to you. Uh, this is Janice B in Vermont, a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Least problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Janice B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter of Vision for You. We are on page 158, and we will be starting with the second paragraph on the third day, and I will ask Anita J. if she would read for us, please. Yes, thank you, Monica. 
This is Anita J., uh, a very grateful, recovered, um, compulsive reader in Massachusetts. On the third day, the lawyer gave his life to the care and direction of his creator and said he was perfectly willing to do anything necessary. His wife came, scarcely hoping to be, scarcely daring to be hopeful, though she thought she saw something different about her husband already. He had begun to have a spiritual experience. On the third day, I just, something about that, very dramatic. Um, You know, they had been talking to this man lying in his bed, uh, presenting the case, and we know how they did it, matter-of-factly. You don't have to put the drama in it. The truth is the drama. God will speak through it. You don't have to, you don't have to put, you know, all the acting lessons some of us had into it. Um, This time with vision, which is now, you know, it's been, I think, two days short of 19 months that I gave my uh, will and my life over. I've done that type of thing many times in my life in in a church, one of the churches I used to go to. I've done it in the program, but not like this time. Now I understand that this is just like standing on the brink, making this decision that, yes, I'm going to do steps four through nine. He didn't know that, but he knew he was going to do something. And um, willing, willing to have God be the director, he was going to show him what to do to get what these fellows had. And the guides, just the guides, they weren't going to do it. The guides for the higher power were going to show him how to do it, and he was willing. You know, I didn't know the set-aside prayer when I took this step here. Um, with, you know, last year, the early part of last year. Um, But that's what I had done. I knew an awful lot, like most of us. But where did it get me? It didn't get me what these fellows had. What I hear people just, you know, I don't even know what you all look like, but there's something going on here. It's a God, it's an HP thing, whatever that looks like for you, uh, willing to just follow somebody else's directions. And he began to hope. Uh, This wife saw it pretty quick. I don't think anybody saw that in me that quick, but they've seen it. They have seen it, you know. My husband thought I had done it. I had reconfigured myself, reinvented it. You and I know that wasn't the truth. I had made a decision and uh, to follow this this uh, creator of mine um, to see where it would lead. And guess what? It has led me to an area that I had no idea. Didn't come just from this. Didn't come on the third day. That was the beginning. I was finally going in the right direction. I've always been on a path. We're all on a path, but where's it going? 
this one is leading. As long as I stay on it, I can't lose my GPS. I have the best GPS in the world, and that is my higher power. And uh, I'm just very grateful, and I'm grateful to be now part of the guides and part of the people willing to keep getting my directions from a higher power. That doesn't go away. Time. And thank you very much, and I pass. Thank you, Anita. Anita J. And who would like to share on this paragraph? Barbara B. Barbara. Thank you. This is Barbara B., a grateful compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. I love looking at the fact, as it says, he had begun to have a spiritual experience because what that calls up to me is that uh, educational variety of spiritual experience described in the appendix of the big book. And that saves me because that is my uh, life in a way and, and in life when it says in step two, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Well, I did indeed, as it says, I came, I came to and I came to believe in uh, my first sponsor in this program, God bless her, who had the spiritual experience with a practical program of action, which I did not have the combination. I got the practical program of action first. She gave me a copy of the AA book, Came to Believe. And I went on my way and my evolution, and God was doing with me what I couldn't do for myself, but I didn't really get the combination of spiritual experience and practical program of action. And then, years later, she was still sponsoring. She gave me another copy, an updated version of Came to Believe. She really tried very hard to give me the message. Well, thank you, God. God delivered the message. And um, I have uh, acknowledged, as it says in the spiritual experience, that deep down within me I have come upon a power greater than myself, um, which restores me to sanity and brings me to a fullness of life beyond anything I could have imagined, that deep reality, as it says, uh, deep down inside. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara B. And who else would like to comment on this paragraph? Reba P. Happy day. Rita, Kathy. I heard Rita and Kathy. That's it. Who else, please? Suzanne. Suzanne. Suzanne K. Suzanne, yes. Suzanne K. Yes, thank you. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Okay, we'll go with that. I have Rita P., Kathy K., Susan K. Rita P., you're up. I think it was Good Rita morning. P. Good morning. It's actually uh, Reva P. Uh, Reva! <laughs> thank you. I'm sorry. No problem. Uh, it's Reva P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Oh, thank you, God, for this meeting. Thank you, God, for all of you people. Um, I am amazed. These uh, couple of paragraphs, you know, one, two, three, steps one, two, three, didn't take him months, years, the first day, the next day, and the third day. You know, one, two, three. Um, action, action. This woman always says, I hear background noise, but I'll keep going. Um, And what strikes me is, you know, here they create this crisis and let him know his diagnosis. 
Um, and he knows he's licked and powerless. And I love how it, then it says maybe, maybe um, God can and will um, restore him to uh, sanity physically and mentally. And then he's at his turning point and how powerful this is that he gives his life to the care and direction of his higher power and he's willing to do whatever it takes. Um, and I find this so hopeful um, because on a morning like today where I feel discouraged and overwhelmed, I'm reminded that now I have a choice. I have a choice when I'm at that turning point. Do I indulge in my own self-will and think I need to do something on my own and figure it out on my own? Or do I turn the other way and ask God for his care or her care and protection um, and become willing to do anything it takes because I don't want the life I had, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, it's just torture. So I find this incredibly powerful um, you know, as a recovered compulsive overeater and also the, their technique for how they pass this message along was, along was just so um, brilliant. Um, so I find it really inspiring this morning. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And Kathy Kay, you're up, and then it'll be Susan Kay. Thank you, Monica, for your service. This is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. Oh, um, he had begun to have a spiritual experience. You know, uh, I didn't know I had begun to have a spiritual experience until I looked back. Um, and um, it didn't happen for me uh, one, two, three days. It was far more um, gradual than that. And I, I just want to say that I now know that it was my character defects that were getting in the way of hearing God and following God. Um, and it was only through working steps four through nine that I could clear that channel so that I could hear the wisdom, kindness, love, tolerance, and all those attributes of my higher power deep within me. Um, I am just so grateful that I was willing at that time to surrender to the directions of my sponsor, and then little by little, by doing the work, um, I formed a deeper connection with my higher power. I do want to say that... Um, for me, the journey feels like it's been kind of a back and forth. There are days when I feel deeply connected, and there are days when I wonder if I have a connection at all with my higher power. Um, so what they're describing here, you know, it really is a beginning, and it is a journey, and we each have our unique way of moving forward. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy Kay. And Susan Kay, you're up. Thank you so much. This is Suzanne Kay from New Jersey, Eastern Standard Time. And good morning, everybody. And I love this paragraph. 
Um, when it says, on the third day, the lawyer gave his life to the care and direction of his creator and said he was perfectly willing to do anything necessary. Um, and then at the end, of course, had begun to have a spiritual experience. Um, I have been blessed with having those feelings when I have been out of the food and being abstinent, um, being willing to do whatever it takes. Um, I have been struggling, though, with my abstinence, um, taking my will back. So I, I know I have a step one problem, admitting powerlessness. Um, and my sponsor is having me read and write about, um, well, on Bill's story. Uh, I am, you know, I'm praying that I can become abstinent again for just for today. Um, and as far as willing to do anything, because this book is a very has directions, very clear cut. And if I have to be willing to do anything necessary, and there is my struggle because my ego tells me I can do this, and I can have one bite, and I can have one piece, and I know that the physical allergy and the mental obsession just repeats that ugly cycle. So I'm just praying, and I'm just loving hearing the visionaries, and um, this meeting is a blessing, and thanks for your service. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Suzanne Kay, and thank you for being here. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Jill P. Jill P. Anybody else? Sarah W. Sarah W. Anybody else? Okay. Jill P., you're up, and then it'll be Sarah. Thank you. Jill T. from Pittsburgh. Yeah, what really um, is coming to my mind as I listen to the, everyone speaking and reading this chapter or this paragraph, that I, too, when I sit to do my program work, I just focus on that action right there, but I'm not praying for abstinence beyond the moments that I'm sitting there doing my program work. And my program work is reading and writing and praying about what I'm reading and writing. But again, my I need to start praying, and I will start praying, and I'll tell my sponsor this morning, I'm going to start praying for willingness, and I'm going to start praying for abstinence. That's the one thing that my program is missing at this time. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Jill P. Sarah W., you're up. Good morning. Thank you, Monica, for your service. It's good to be sober and abstinent, and I'm grateful for my recovery. Um, I'm Sarah W. Um, I, I guess the thought that came into my mind was where it says he gave his life to the care and direction to his creator. And I think I remember being at a meeting many years ago that was not an OA meeting, but it was a recovery meeting. And um, the gentleman that was speaking was talking about turning his will and his life over to God's care. And I think that is such a huge um, part of what uh, I, I needed to remember in the process of working the steps that I'm not just turning it over, turning it over to, you know, 
to the care of God. God's going to care for me. And I think that's such a, a, a big part of what the program's about. Uh, you know, it does say he was perfectly willing to do anything necessary, you know, that willingness to go to any length. And I know there's a process that many of us have gone through where as we take a third step that we uh, we are asked to write in the beginning of the book, you know, I'm willing to go to any length. Um, and, you know, in the beginning of my book in 2012, I wrote, you know, Sarah, you're never going to have your way again as long as you live. Love God. P.S. If you follow directions in this book, you will thank me for it one day at a time. And at first, when I when I wrote it, you know, it was really like, wow. Uh, but you know, what has happened to me are amazing, amazing miracles. Um, my relationships with my children, especially. Um, the way I carry myself, how I view um, adversity instead of like cowering or running or being angry, you know, I can pause in that sacred space of that pause. I can really, it changes the whole way that we look at it. And I think that's the process of the steps. And it talks about um, his wife uh, scarcely daring to be hopeful. You know, how many times have we made um you know, promises to the people that we love that not only would we be different about the food, but our behaviors and all that. And that, you know, for me, the steps and the process of working through the steps has really offered me uh, a different way of of behaving. You know, I act my way into right thinking, you know, oftentimes, you know, just doing the next right thing, even if it feels uncomfortable. And those are the things that really have me grow spiritually. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Monica, for your service. Thank you, Sarah W. And would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? So, Larry. Larry. Anybody else? Lindy F. I can you say that again for me, please? Lindy L I N D Y. Lindsay. Okay. All right, Larry K. And then Lindsay. Larry. Lindsay. You're up. Thanks, Monica. <clears throat> Larry K. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You know, the only thing that I uh, that I wanted to add to this is, you know, we hear different shares, and they're 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 so beautiful. Um, you know, I, I what I, I don't control the trajectory of the unfolding of my spiritual awakening. I don't control that trajectory. That because if I did, if I controlled that then this entire process of the unfolding of the spiritual awakening would be absolutely up to me in terms of not only taking the actions that I do, I do have control over. In fact, you know, I, I, I'm the only one that can take the actions. <laughs> no one else can take the actions for me. So somehow, you know, I'm drawing the distinction for me between taking the actions okay, four through nine, as well as, you know, before we certainly uh, need to put down our, our substance. And, you know, God never came down uh, and put down my substance for me. And let me tell you, um, it was very difficult to put that substance down. Very, very difficult, very uncomfortable. And I had to be willing to go through a period of uncomfortability. But what I hear in this paragraph 
is, you know, this was his trajectory. This was Bill D's trajectory. You know, on the third day, he turned his, you know, and I don't know what the rest of Bill D's life was like to Bill D. I don't know what it felt like. I believe historically he he put down alcohol and didn't pick it up again. I believe that's correct. I'm not 100% positive of that. Other people had different trajectories. Evie had a different one. Bill W. had a different one. I'm having a different one. So uh, to me, the only thing, you know, abstinence, that's something different, you know, um, refraining. I, I can take some control there. Yeah, I, I have to refrain. I didn't, I'm driving into the city right now. As far as I know, God is not driving my car for me. He's given me the, the ability to drive it myself. I also turned on the shower this morning. You know, there's certain things that we, 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 have, uh, we, we have control over. So the, the, I'll just wrap up by saying God either is or he isn't. If he is not, he, she, it, if there is not a power greater than myself, then this entire process is up to me. There is nothing spiritual about it. It is up to me. If, if indeed there is no power greater than Larry, I choose to believe today that there is a power greater than myself. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Lindy F., you're up. Hi, thank you for giving me a chance to uh, join this meeting and share. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, I apologize for the noise because I'm driving. I know it's a bit small ideal. Um, I just really appreciate hearing that message of surrender um, and turning to higher power. Um, I just, I really need that. I've been really struggling mentally, uh, emotionally, and all that because it's, I'm sorry, I'm not being very articulate. I, I know and I really appreciate the reminder that the solution is spiritual, still more spiritual development. It's not about thinking harder or better or trying harder or more. It's about turning to my higher power and surrendering. Um, and I really do need to want to find a sponsor so I can to working steps four through nine, um, which I know are the answer. And I um, I really appreciate this meeting. Um, so it's Lindy, L-I-N-D-Y, F, and I'm in New York. And if anybody out there is um, willing to sponsor, I'd be interested in talking with you. Um, my numbers on the website. Thank you very much. I appreciate everyone. Thank you, Lindy F. And with that, we are going to move on to the next paragraph. And Elaine B., could you read for us, please? Yes, Monica, thank you very much for your service. That was in June 1935. He never drank again. Oops, I'm sorry. That afternoon, that afternoon, you skipped a you skipped a paragraph. No problem. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> All right. 
That afternoon, he put on his clothes and walked from the hospital a free man. He entered a political campaign, making speeches frequently, um, frequenting men's gathering places of all sorts and often staying up all night. He lost the race by only a narrow margin, but he had found God, and in finding God, he had found himself. Well, you know, it said earlier he never drank again, but I wonder if those men's gathering places of all sorts served alcohol. I wonder what type of people he ran into there. I wonder if he ran into people that uh, that perhaps some, somehow in the past he had harmed and people who maybe carried a grudge about him. But what was the end result? He ended up, you know, entering a political campaign Wow, you know, how did he how did he come from a man who said just uh you know, who said that I used to be somebody and now I'm absolutely nobody to somebody who's willing to show up all over the place, all over the community, um and and actually put himself in a political campaign? Boy, you know, we we see a lot of stuff getting drudged up from the past of people. Well, what I see is a man whose fear was gone. He was able to stand up to people. But how did that happen? How did he do that? He um, he turned, turned his life over to the care and direction of his creator. How did he do that? He did that following these steps. How did he do that? Following the steps not just one day, not just one time, not just when these guys came to his hospital room and maybe helped him learn how to make amends and, and, you know, stuck with him for a month. No, he committed himself to this work. Not only did he not pick up the drink again, he helped others recover. He, um, he got involved with his community. He got involved with his, uh, with his, uh, with people that were recovering and with the political needs in his environment. He clearly went and cleaned up his past or he wouldn't be able to um, even consider entering a political campaign. And so these steps are are brilliant. You know, we've been talking about steps one, two, and three, but this is the evidence of um, what I call the best promise in in the big book is that the things that we get when we turn our lives over to the care of our creator uh, or a, a power greater than ourselves or better than anything we could have come up with ourselves. That day lying in the hospital where he said, you guys are somebody I was once, but I'm nobody. Um, did he ever think he'd be standing up in a, in a political campaign just a short time later? Did he think he'd be frequenting men's gathering places of all sorts where people are drinking and, you know, um, uh, and hanging out and, and not drink? Boy, that seems like a miracle to me. It's a miracle, this program, and it's available to anybody who follows these steps the way they're laid out in this big book, one step at a time. And thank you for this meeting that helps us discover how to do this. And um, if you're just listening in and haven't done this work, these miracles can happen for you too. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine B. And who would like to comment on this paragraph? Chrissy X. Paula D. Deanne F. Wait a minute. Well, the first one, was that Christy? Christy. Christy. All right. Christy, Paula, Deanne. Anybody else? Okay. We'll start with that. Christy, I didn't get your last, the initial of your last name. 
Sure. If you I'm will. Chrissy. Sure. I'm Chrissy M. Chrissy M. Go ahead. Thank you. Recovered overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. And um, this is, you know, this is one of those readings that are just so hopeful and and the whole the whole turnaround of of walking a free a free woman and and being transformed. And I've had that experience. I've had that experience, and the I I love that it says in the big book that we know only a little. There's more there's more to know. There's more there's more recovery in different in different areas and there's for me, my story is that I've had many, many um opportunities to turn an addiction over to my higher power and and be more free. And and it's it's it works. This program, turning my will over, works in in every area of my life, like it says. And there's there's more freedom to be had the more I'm willing to let it go. And and sometimes I hang on to something kicking and screaming, and and they say you know let go or be dragged and. You know, sometimes I've chosen to be dragged, but the, my my true awakening is, my experience is that I've been very, very blessed to have been given opportunities to let go. I've been given opportunities where I'm forced to let go, situations that have put me in position where you know, the choices were limited. Let go or, you know, or maybe not go on. So so for me, I mean, I don't know if that's fortunate or it, it's just what it took for me to let go of my old ideas and my will. But I have to say that just that letting go on a moment-to-moment basis for me is what the awakening is about. Um, and of course, I have to let it go to something, so there has to be a decision to believe in something greater. And then, and then I have my kids say, "How do you know that there's a higher power?" And I just have so much evidence, and I write down all of the miracles that happened in my life, in case I forget them. And with that, I will share the time. Thank you, Chrissy M. Paula D, you're up. Paula, star one to unmute. Okay, Monica, you're going to get another thank you because the other one was quieter. So here I am. (laughs) And I thank you for your service today and to be able to be here. And uh, my name is Paula D. and I am in New Hampshire. I am a compulsive reader and recovered. You know, as we read this, and I'd like to just... um, on the third day, the lawyer gave his life to the care and direction of his creator. That that part there, he gave his life to the care. And I'm going to drop it down. So here, we is, here he is under the care and direction of his creator. Now, I would say the last thing I'd want to do is run for political office. I mean, but look at, he listened, he tuned in, and this is where he went. And he, we come again. 
He put on his clothes and he walked from the hospital a free man. Here, not to compare, to identify. Do you know what it is to be a free man? To walk a free man? I do. I do. And it's not just for me. This man, Bill W., what does he say at the end? And I'm going to scoot right on down to that last line. But, capitalized B, he had found God, and in finding God, had found himself. You know, I think we all seek something, and there it is within ourselves. Who would think? Who would know? But I love, and I want to just turn to, because we talked about his confidence, being mindful of the time, just for a moment. XIX, I'm going to go to that place on the doctor's opinion. One year later, he talked about this man that came back. Yeah. One year later, he called to see me. I experienced a very strange sensation. I knew the man by name and partly recognized his feature. But they were all resembling ending from a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck. I was just thinking of this other bill in a hospital bed, what they found. Seeing that this would be pretty appropriate, because he could, I'm sure, identify with this trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged had emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. So I see that a man's life transformed. But it wasn't just for Bill W. And it wasn't even for this, just this Bill. It's for us too. He sought God and he found him. Continue to seek and you will find. Thank you for allowing me to share that I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. And Deanne F., I think, you're up. Hi, this is Deanne F. Can you hear me? Sure can. Okay, great. Uh, This is the first time I'm sharing uh, on this wonderful and amazing life-saving line. And uh, I just am moved to speak. I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and I am standing in Syracuse, uh, where I am taking my son to college uh, for the first time. And I'm thinking about these paragraphs and the description of a spiritual experience, and I'm thinking that I just realized that a spiritual experience I always expected was going to be like, you know, God's you know, opening the heavens and, you know, this very dramatic, um, you know, like stage production. And what I've realized is that actually, for me, spiritual experience is the fact that I am here, where I am right now, uh, and that that is such an unbelievable miracle of God and this program, and that I'm here with my ex-husband, who was the reason why I would not do the steps of this program because I didn't want to have to make amends for him after 12 years because he was all wrong and, of course, I was all right. Uh, and it wasn't until I was willing to do that that these life-changing events have happened. And the fact that I can be here with him and be here with a son from another relationship and welcome him into our family and be together as this amazing family. 
it is absolutely that is a spiritual experience that my son who was given a diagnosis when he was you know three years old <clears throat> that seemed like it was going to mean that his whole life was going to be dependent upon us and that he overcame that because of God and that he is here today and that I am able to be here and be present and not in the food and not afraid. And that for me is the spiritual experience of this program. And Elaine, you know, says it to me all the time, which is it is what you get from this is better than anything that you could ever imagine. And I am just a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, and I thank you all for saving this life. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Deanne S. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Renata. Renata. Amy E. Amy E. Leah. Okay, Renata. Is it Renata F? Renata G. G, I'm sorry. Renata G, you're up. Thank you, Monica, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G, Recovered Composer Reader in New York. I want to make a brief comment on the second paragraph and then tie it with the third. Um, You know, when, like this man, when I took such a position and really turned my, my life over to the care of my creator, and then, you know, became willing to do anything necessary to have a spiritual experience, right? In my case, a spiritual awakening because the process wasn't, you know, my spiritual awakening wasn't sudden. But, like, when I took such a position, nothing stopped me from getting, getting recovered because, you know, I wasn't just saying I was going to do it. I was really, like, powerless and I committed to a power greater than myself. And, um, you know, it says here that, and then, you know, by by really, like, taking the steps doing the program of action, I, like this man, like you I became a free woman, you know. Um, by the grace of God, you know, today I can go anywhere. I am a free person. It says here, you know, um, but he had found God, and in finding God, he found himself. You know, I just came back. I just came back from a two-week vacation overseas in a completely different country, and uh, you know, I didn't have access to meetings there or telephone. I couldn't talk to my sponsor. I, you know, I didn't weigh and measure my food, and and everything it was fine. I was abstinent. My my the obsession of the mind didn't come even for a second. And why? You know, because of the work of the steps. Because the steps allowed me to have a relationship with my creator. And I know it doesn't matter where I am, my heart power comes with me. You know, I am unblocked. And so, you know, if I if I was to rely on human power, on the tools to keep me abstinent, to keep me sober, then, you know, that would not work. But because of this process, I, too, you know, found God. And that's what keeps me in recovery every single day. I bet I fast think. Thank you, Renata. Amy E., you're up. Good morning. 
Uh, everyone, this is Amy E. in Ohio, abstinent and grateful uh, by the grace of God and the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous and this big book of recovery. I have three years of abstinence today. Very grateful to be on the line today. I'm going to zero in on that afternoon he put on his clothes and walked from the hospital a free man. Well, what was his, what was that freedom for him? I've been looking ahead at the uh, stories, Alcoholic Anonymous number three, which is Bill, Bill D's story from his perspective. And I'm reading here from page 189. It was in the next two or three days after I had first met Doc and Bill that I finally came to a decision to turn my will over to God and to go along with this program the best that I could. Their talk and action had instilled in me a certain amount of confidence. How many people on this line right now are feeling the same way listening to all this great sharing on a vision for you? Had instilled in me a certain amount of confidence, although I was not too absolutely certain. I wasn't afraid that the program wouldn't work, but I still was doubtful whether I would be able to hang on to the program. But I did come to the conclusion that I was willing to put everything I had into it with God's power and that I wanted to do just that. As soon as I had done that, I did feel a great release. I knew that I had a helper whom I could rely upon who wouldn't fail me. If I could stick to him and listen, I would make it. If I could stick to him and listen, I would make it. That's what makes this so different from a dieting support group. Overeaters Anonymous Vision and uh, this work together that we're doing in A Vision for You is about drilling down to the essentials of what it takes to stay abstinent. It's a 24-hour-a-day program just for today. Can I put down my substance? Can I stay away from my trigger foods? Can I read labels? Can I weigh and measure if I'm having portion control problems? And when I hit those rough, rocky points, am I willing to turn to my higher power and ask for help? Because God is all-powerful and can do anything, including releasing me from this obsession uh, of the mind. I'm so grateful to be relieved of my obsession for compulsive overeating just for today. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Amy E. And Leah. Leah M., you're up. Thanks so much, Monica. You know, when I look at this word free, that afternoon he put on his clothes and walked from the hospital a free man. You know, I always think about freedom isn't free. There's a price to be paid. Uh, that's true for most freedoms, right? If we want freedom in America, there are, there's a price for us to pay for that freedom. It's the same thing here. There's a price to pay. Um, there is a path to follow. You know, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. But there is an aim and a goal and an objective here, and that is for the obsession of the mind to be driven out, to be free. You know, Bill D. was hospitalized eight times within a six-month period. And, you know, at the beginning of the story, he comments, you know, he's afraid to even leave the building <laughs> for fear of picking up that first drink. And that's the mentality when we're focused on a physical solution. I know that was true for me when I was focused merely on the food and abstinence. It was like holding my breath underwater. It was just a, man a matter of a time, you know, before it I was going to uh, burst out and gasp for air by jamming my fist down cellophane bags and boxes. Um, but the 
big book teaches, you know, that I'm suffering from a spiritual malady, an illness that only a spiritual experience will conquer. Sobriety and abstinence is physical. It's physical. I'm suffering from a spiritual malady. I need to have a spiritual awakening. Now, there is a process, a clear path. Bill D. followed it as well. But it, but to begin with, he had to separate from alcohol. Just like to begin the process before embarking on the action steps ahead, I had to separate from all of my binge foods. The first step has to be done 100%. I am absolutely powerless over food. And when I say I'm powerless, I mean... I'm powerless when I'm not compulsively overeating because I'm thinking about compulsively overeating. So not compulsively, compulsively overeating is the first part before embarking on the program of recovery. And the result of the action steps, the result of a spiritual awakening is a change in the way we think, in the way we feel, and especially in the way we behave. And we read that and build these story. And what distinguishes the 12-step process from self-help programs is that this change is done to us, not by us, but I have to cooperate with the grace of my higher power. And, you know, obviously in this paragraph, if selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of Bill D's problem, then obviously unselfishness is the root of his solution, and that's exactly what happens. He begins to live and walk in the grace of his higher power. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leia. And we have time for one quick share. Would anybody else? This is Alice. Share? Alice. Okay, Amy. we've got a couple of minutes. Thank you, Amy. Alice. Oh, thank Sorry. you. Thank you. This is Alice at Compulsive Overeater and Bulimic from Florida. And, um, whoa, this is not the way my um, early recovery went straight out of the hospital bed. Um, you know, so much for being careful in early recovery and not taking on too much. I mean, that, this paragraph makes me laugh. Um, I know my experience with early recovery was different, like I said, um, you know, going from hospital bed to home. Um, I had to pretty much put the brakes on everything in my life as I knew it um, before going to treatment four, four years ago. And I just say treatment because that's that's part of my story. I, am, I was in treatment a lot. Um, you know, I had to put my recovery before everything, and it had to become a full-time job, I was told. I had to make my life resemble living in treatment as much as I could because there wasn't much hope otherwise. Um, and if it was not my only prior, you know, if it was not my only priority, I, I wasn't going to make it. Um, so I did that, you know. I, when I left my hospital bed, um, so to speak, I stopped working um, for about six months. And we got in a financial crisis. Didn't matter. We got help, sought help from people that gave us money to pay our bills. Um, it didn't matter if I if I I had to do what I had to do. My family had to do what I had to do. And where he says, um, uh, but he had found God, and finally God had found Himself. So, you know, as an atheist, what had I found then? What was it that I found four years ago that made me willing be willing to go to any length? Um, I found hope, man. Hope was my strength outside of myself. I found hope. You know, hope. And what? You know, hope that the, um, you know, that the program of the 12 steps could just possibly work for me. Hope that if I 
started living differently, started practicing principles and changing myself, maybe that would make a difference. Hope in a sponsor, you know, surrendering to a sponsor and following directions, you know, hope in a, in a fellowship. Um, and more, I had hope that the structured format of OA I was working could just help me, help me recover. Um, you know, hope in, in um, you know, a, a seeking a, a registered dietitian like people were doing and getting on a food plan and hope that maybe if I, you know, get a definition of my entire abstinence personally, what that means for me. So that was, um, you know, that was, that was the God I found, just a crap load of hope. You know, maybe, just maybe I could make this. I could do it, you know. Um, you know, and it says, and in Time. finding this, this solution, okay, thank you. Um, finding that solution, he found himself, and for me, it's, it's not finding myself. It is um, finding out who I want to be today. I pass. Thank you, Alice. And thank you, everyone, who shared this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Rebecca F., could you please read for us from A Vision for You? Yes, thank you. Rebecca F., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Connecticut. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meeting, morning meditation, what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.